Warn you, I might be a little slow this morning. If you've witnessed my preaching before, I know I move back and forth a lot. I may be a little slow. In the past month, I've had the opportunity to run two half marathons. And then yesterday, between the wedding and furniture shopping in Lancaster, I think that was actually worse than a half marathon. Just saying, I'm pretty sure that there was. So if I'm a little slow, you're going to forgive me for that. And you can say a little prayer in your head for this time together this morning. One of those half marathons took place in Pittsburgh. And being in Pittsburgh, I've visited like twice there, and so I was a little bit out of my comfort zone, and I wanted to make sure that I was fully prepared for this and knew all the details, and so I made sure I knew where I was supposed to be, and I'd gotten there. I was in my like starting corral or gate, whatever they want to call it. They put me in this little spot that I was supposed to be there for running. Actually, I had found myself in line. This is very important. I found myself in line for a porta potty. Now, that may seem ridiculous, but... It's like my greatest fear, right? In any kind of race, my greatest fear is getting like partway in and then having to go to the bathroom. That's the worst thing you can possibly imagine. So I wanted to make sure everything like that was taken care of. And I had a chance to strike up conversation with two of the guys in line there with me. And we started talking about some of our race experiences and the things that we've, we've done. And I talked to them how this was my first time ever, ever being at a Pittsburgh race. And they gave me some very, very important directions, right? They gave me some very important advice. They said, here's the thing you got to recognize. The bibs that we all have on, right? That's the thing that's got your number and stuff like that. I don't know why they call them bibs because I'm not eating anything. I mean, most, yeah, but, but whatever. Like th- those things that you have strapped to you, like you notice there's two different colored ones. That's because there's actually two races starting here together. The marathon and the half marathon are actually starting here together. And we run together for about the first 10 miles. And then at mile 10, they split. And you need to pay attention because the marathon goes one way and the half marathon goes the other. Oh my. I thought to myself, my greatest worry was the porta potty, right? Like that was my greatest thing. Now I had re- something real to think about. Mile 10, go the right way. Because I had trained for a half marathon. I was not in any way prepared for a full marathon. That wasn't going to happen. And guess what? Guess who spent most of the race thinking one thing very clearly? Mile 10, mile 10, watch for the signs. Mile 10, watch for the signs. Mile 7 came, and at mile 7, the sky closed up. Huge thunderstorm happened. I'm talking like the the sky, like shocking, that kind of thing. Big noises, all kinds of things. Real deal thunderstorm. I should have been worried about that, right? And if I'm being completely honest, I did have this one thought as I'm running, and I'm looking at spectators, and I'm like... Some of them are carrying umbrellas, right? They got large metal sticks. I'm going to be okay, right? (laughs) There's a chance I thought that, right? Yeah, no, they've got big metal sticks. I'm not going to be the one that gets hit. I'm okay that. But really, what was I thinking at mile seven? Mile 10, watch for the signs, watch for the signs, watch for the signs. I didn't need to worry, of course. This was a race that had like 7,000, people participating in. They had so many signs everywhere. It was actually kind of overkill letting us know marathon goes this way, half marathon goes this way. In fact, at mile 11, after they had already split, they had another sign that said very clearly, you are running the half marathon course. Yeah, right there for everyone to see. But I will say those directions were incredibly appreciated. They were a huge blessing to me. When we look at this passage of scripture here in Proverbs 3, that's what was laid upon my heart. That here in this passage, we receive directions. But just not just any directions. These are incredibly important directions to life. To finding fullness and abundance. To finding peace and prosperity. This is an incredibly important part of Scripture. In fact, all of the Proverbs are very valuable, but 
It is our understanding that this piece of scripture here in Proverbs 3, this beginning part, is the most quoted, the most referenced, and referred to, often you could say the most significant part of the Proverbs. You may have heard this passage before. Part of it I memorized as a child. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your paths straight. Right there, I really believe, is why this passage is turned to so often. Because we come looking for that, right? We are all searching for straight paths and we are desiring clear directions in life. I know I want that. I want it in this moment. I have wanted it and have searched for it in the past. My guess is you have too. Quite possibly in this moment, you are here because you want that for your life. You want a straight path or you want a clear direction in life. This is probably one of the biggest reasons why people come to church or turn to Jesus, right? Turn to God because we are looking for direction in life, be it a situation, be it a future plan, be it a relationship, be it a health issue that we're facing. We are looking for direction. God, help me know what to do. This passage has been so meaningful to so many because it provides just that. I would encourage you though, Don't be surprised when, in what I feel is pretty true Bible fashion, the directions don't exactly come out to be as direct as you want them to be or as simple as you want them to be. And when in truth there is a deeper meaning hiding here in this passage. May our hearts be open to what God would have for our lives. May our hearts be open to his true work on us, whatever that means for us, if it's what we exactly want or not. Would you pray a blessing with me? God, we give you these moments together. God, I ask that you would move in our hearts and in our minds. We come here as we do so many times, God, and we're seeking direction. God, I ask that you would give that to us. But in all of this, may we recognize that these moments and all of this world is not about us. It's about you. So may our hearts be open to your movement and your working in our lives. May we have ears and hearts that are open to hear and to do your will. Be with us, God. Amen. Direction for life. There have been so many moments when I've needed that. This passage has it. If we break down, and we're going to in a second here, if we break down the different things that this passage refers to, these, as a pastor, people coming asking me for advice, looking for a direction, this covers the big ones right here. It is amazing how this passage covers the things that we are looking for in life. Verse 2, what does it lead us to? The verse 2 says we can have longer life peace, and prosperity. Now, I will say one thing with this. I don't have a lot of people who come to me asking how they can have longer life. That one doesn't happen so much. I think most of us know that whatever Taco Bell or whatever we're doing to our bodies and all of those things, right? Like, like we're going to reap the, the rewards of those, of those decisions. That's going to happen. That doesn't happen. But peace and prosperity, oh my. We search for peace. In so many situations in life, we search for peace. Verse 4 says, favor in relationships with God and with people. What to do in a relationship. 
This is maybe not the number one question people bring me as a pastor, but I will say if it's not, it is very, very close. I will tell you this, I have personally wanted this multiple times in my life. An understanding of how to bring favor to a relationship. God, what do I do? What do I do, God? Verse 6 is the famous one. Straight paths and clear direction. Now, I say both of those, but if you're looking in your scripture, it may only say one of those. And so that we understand this through history, theologians have looked at this passage and they've been almost 50-50 split, perfectly split on if this passage should translate that God is going to give us straight paths, meaning that he's going to clear with his grace, he's going to clear the way for us, right? So we have a straight path, or does it mean that God is going to give us clear direction, meaning he's going to tell us what we should do to get there? Maybe the path isn't straight, but we know the course, and it's kind of split there. Now, when we have a situation like that in Scripture where we ask ourselves, what do I do with this, right? What do I, which way do I go? How do I say what this means for us? One of the important things for us to do is to compare it to the rest of Scripture, right? It should hold up with what, who we know God is, how we know Jesus works, and the truths that God has made in this world. And so we ask ourselves of those two things, what makes sense with the Bible? And here's the great thing. When we look through the truths of Scripture, when we understand how God works, we recognize he actually does both of these, those things. And so let's say it It means both of those things, right? God does, in fact, sometimes by his grace go before us and he clears the way. But sometimes he does work by giving our mind clear direction on this is how to handle a situation. God can wonderfully do both of those things, right? And he's not in any way limited to just one. He does both. Verse 8 says, health to your body and bones. Now, this is a funny scripture moment because body... That word, if it was a true translation, your, your Bible probably says body. Most of them do. It does not actually say body in its most truest translation. It says, wait for it, belly button. Yes, it does. Yes, a more true translation is belly button and belly button could be or should be in your Bible, right? Yeah. And, and the idea there is, is that obviously when we're a child, right? And before we're a child in that whole process, like nutrients come through the belly button, right? And so nourishment for our whole system, for all that we are, comes from that one source of God. And it's the recognition that God can bring nourishment to all of our body. He can do that. And finally, last verse 10, we talk about provision, filled and overflowing, and to some degree, we know that we all, at one point or another, have asked for this God, from this for God, right? We want to know how to get what we need, and, and probably in the American dream, it's how to get what we need and a little bit more, right? That's, that's what we want, right? We want to know how to get what we need and, and have a little bit more. These directions are so important. Could you pick a better list of the things that we're all searching for in this world? They are right there. And I want you to know right here is my, pas- my passion. Let this message stand with transparency. This is what I am about. My call to ministry came from this. Came from a heart as a child where I looked around and I saw individuals that I wanted to help. And I didn't know how. This is where my journey started. Seeing people that I wanted them to have a full and abundant life. I wanted them to have purpose and a reason to live. And I knew I didn't have it. Even at that young age, maybe it was my Pennsylvania Dutch upbringing, which was a little too honest or whatever. But even at that early age, I recognized I didn't have the finances to change someone's life. 
I didn't have the particular set of, of expertise in anything where I thought I can change someone's life with that. I didn't have a particular set of skills to do it, but I knew I had something better. I had Jesus. And I had a desire to communicate him and how he changed my life. I knew that life is better with God. One of my key verses in my life, one of my life verses is John 10.10. It's very simple. It's Jesus' words. And he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, not me, Jesus, have come so that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Have it full. Have it abundantly. That is what I know. That is what I live. That is what I want for you. I want this for you. And I want you to know I 100% believe this is possible for your life. I 100% believe this is possible for your life. Getting these directions right is so important to me and to what I believe. This truth is unpacked, I believe, in many places in Scripture, but incredibly well here in this one, right here in Proverbs. So what do we know about Proverbs? We know Proverbs, this book of the Bible, it's a collection by King Solomon. Now, King Solomon is King David's son. He's the one that, if you remember in history, had that special moment with God where he was given particular wisdom, right? He is what we believe to be the wisest person the world has ever known. I would say besides Jesus, but we have a lot of those, right? The wisest person besides Jesus, that's, that's separate, but like the wisest person the world has ever known. And so he's brought these together. Some of these Proverbs he's particularly written. Other ones he's just brought together and say, these are true, this is valuable. And so he's brought these things together and recorded. In this particular part of Proverbs 3, this is important. We see that this wisdom is not just generic wisdom, though. This is wisdom that's particularly being provided from a father to a son, and that matters because it's not just generic life wisdom. This is wisdom shared by a person, a father to a son, someone who's invested in someone else's life, someone who cares, who wants their heart to be taken care of, who wants their future, who wants these things, fullness and abundance, and wants all those things. They're invested and they want that to come true in this person. They actually probably want it more for this individual than they even want it themselves, right? They want this to happen. They're so invested in their lives. The issue is, and any of us, I really think, with any little shred of our own wisdom or understanding about how the world works, we recognize as we see these Proverbs, we recognize that Proverbs are not promises. Proverbs aren't promises. This is not a guaranteed statement of how things will work in this fallen world that we live in. Proverbs aren't promises. They are advice and wisdom. They are directions and especially these directions that are made out of love, they are done not to say that if you do these perfect things, the world is going to shape up in a certain way and there's a guarantee to that. These, these words, these proverbs are done, they are delivered with the intent not to say that the world will change, but to change the heart of the one that is so cared about. This is something I understand. As a father with my own son, I have a desire, if I could, I would shape the world for them. It is probably one of my greatest frustrations. You understand that with the people you care about too, right? If I could only shape the world around them, if I could clear the path and make it perfect and know that everything was going to be set, but I know I can't do that. And so what is my struggle? What is my desire for them? And honestly, for you, I wish I could shape the world for you as well, but I know I can't. What is my desire it's to shape their hearts, 
to a place where whatever happens in the world, I know that with this, they can face it. They can find the promises here in this passage. These directions that we find here, they are not about navigating the world. They are about navigating our hearts. True wisdom tells us this. It says to us peace and prosperity, connection, straight paths, fulfillment, fullness of life, all the things listed here. These things aren't found in the world. They are found in a heart that is filled with God. Let me further clarify this. The way this works isn't that if you focus your heart on God, you're going to find all of these things wonderfully displayed for you in the, in the world. What happens is if you focus your heart, the world does not necessarily change. I believe by your actions, it probably will, but the world doesn't necessarily change. What changes is we change. You change. And this can become your reality. No matter the shape of the world, you can find this peace and this fullness in life. I see this right now and I think it's needed. I would be completely off path. I would be standing here oblivious if I didn't recognize the shape of our world right now and the discontent we have in it. You recognize it, right? We say these things to one another. We talk about our discontent. We have our conversations about them. Things that we say to ourselves and to our loved ones and even to strangers at a grocery store, right? We say these things. I see the things we say on Facebook. The darkness that is there under the surface. The things that we'll say on Facebook because we probably won't say those things in person, but we can throw them up there and feel less responsible about it, right? But it's there. It's a discontent. And I see how so many of us are allowing a discontent with with the world to ruin our lives. A discontent with the world we live in or our place in the world to ruin our peace, our purpose, our future. I need you to hear this. The world shouldn't have that power over us. The world should not have that power over us. Are we giving it that power? The directions here don't point us to the world. What does this passage tell us? What does it direct us to? It shows us this, that well-being and fullness comes from a healthy heart that is given to God. Let's take a break for a second. I know that was a little heavy. Do you need like a break moment? Just a little breather a little bit? Yeah. You need to take some notes or write anything down. That's good. Make sure you write. Like that was pretty decent preaching, right? So in your notes, write decent preaching. Decent preaching, great hair. That would be like if I could write the notes for you, that's probably... Put great hair first. Um, make sure that gets in. Then, the, yeah, you know. What are we doing here, right? We're in church in this moment. You ever take this for granted a little bit, like what we're doing here in church? I've taken church for granted lots of times. I can tell you that. I've taken church for granted lots of times. I have been in church too much in my life. I don't know if we can say that, but Pastor Kevin's not here, so I'm saying it. Like, I've been, I've been in church too much in my life. I just have been. I was raised a pastor's kid. I was in church a minimum of three times every week for my entire life, minimum of three times, and that's the low, that's a, that's a low bar, all right? That's like really down there. I have been, if you would ask 15-year-old me if I had been in church too much, oh, he would have been, yeah, yeah, uh, 
too much, too much church. What are we doing in church? I will tell you this, I've, I've been in church a lot and, and growing up a pastor's kid, I, I think that I know how church works, I really do. I think I know church. I know that there are some of us here that when you heard me talk about directions for full life and you started talking about abundancy in life, you started to wonder yourself, oh, I've been around this enough, I wonder how he's going to promise us this. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. He's writing a check I'm not sure he can cash. This is, this is wonderful. Like, like, what is happening here? This is great. I've been around church quite a bit. This is not a knock to other churches. I want you to know I have no interest in that. I have no interest in that. But I, I know how churches work, and I've had many church experiences, and I've had some like this I recognize that some of you are probably sitting there and when you started hearing me talk about like abundant life and having a good life and the guarantee of blessings coming your way, there was probably a little part of you that started to get afraid and you started to look around to see if like there were like extra envelopes sitting around and you were waiting for the moment where I was like, if you want that blessing, just reach under your chair and pull forward that envelope. And if you fill it with some 20s or a nice size check, right, like that blessing is coming your way and you were little bit worried that that was coming. I don't believe that that's how this works. We don't believe that that's how this works. What are we doing here at church? Looking for fullness, looking for abundance. What are we doing here? I've been to church so much that there are times I have to remind myself of the many reasons why this is so important. It's okay if you have to, I have to. I have to remind myself sometimes why this is so important. Here's one. This one reason is important enough. It's important enough for every week of my life that I've had to be in church three, four, eight times during that week. This reason enough, this reason would be enough why it is all worthwhile. This one reason. There are many, but this one reason. I come to church to seek help for the continual war over my heart. I come to church to seek help for the continual war over my heart. I need this help. I know that there is a battle for this. And of everything about me that matters, this is it. And there is a war for it. And I come here for help in that war. Look at this passage and what it shows us, right? The directions all point right there, don't they? To our hearts. This is where fullness and abundance happens. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, and I really believe that doesn't just mean like in every corner of who you are, but more importantly, in all your ways, meaning the core, the thing that motivates you, the thing that you are, in all your ways, to the core, to your heart, acknowledge Him. If you do that, I believe that the world will change. But if I'm being super honest with you, I can't promise how it will change or guarantee you in any way how the world will change. I can promise you that you will change. You will change. I will change. We come here looking for things, and this scripture tells us them, right? 
you're looking for peace. You're looking for peace. You want peace and you want directions to that. This world will not shape up and until Jesus comes, this world will not and will never shape up in a way that it will bring you peace in this. One of the things that draws me to God is I have a strong sense of justice and I love his justice in this world, right? I have a strong sense of right and wrong, but I know this. I know that until Jesus returns, this world will never match. I will never find peace in the justice of this world. I know though that if I make God Lord here in my heart, I may never find peace out there, but peace can and will be found right here. It will be found. You're looking for favor in relationships. This is difficult, isn't it? Favor in relationships. It's interesting how that even is listed, right? It doesn't say you're looking for success in relationships. It doesn't say you're looking for a guaranteed way. We're just, look, we recognize how hard relationships are. We're just saying favor. We're just saying like you're looking for like a little bit of an edge in relationships. I get it. This is incredibly hard. We can't control others and I need you to hear this. You are not responsible to. Your spouse, your children, your parents, all others, you cannot make their decisions and you are not responsible to. How do we navigate that with peace and favor? What does it say here? This is probably the passage that gives us the most directions in any of them because it not only just tells us to trust in God with all of our heart, it tells us that if you're trusting in God with your relationships, if you're trusting in God with your marriage, if you're trusting God with your children or with your parents, if you're doing that, that looks like writing what upon your heart, right? If you're actually doing that, the practice is, is that you will write love and faithfulness on your heart. They will be there. We trust God and we want to submit to him. And so we will write love and faithfulness on our hearts and for our relationships, We've just come through an amazing sermon series on, on marriage where we've been given thoughts of how we can work and be together. But I encourage you to hear this, all the advice in the world towards our marriages and towards any relationship that we have that is meaningful full to us. All the advice can't help us if we are not actively choosing, actively choosing to be sacrificial in that relationship, actively choosing to serve in that relationship, actively choosing to be last. To be last in that relationship. I've had moments where I've had the opportunity to offer advice with men my age. We're going to say like late 30s, early 40s. You figure that. I know you're looking at me and you're like, really? Yeah, no, yeah, like, like that age group. And they kind of, yeah, surprise. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um, had moments where I've been able to offer them advice in those kinds of moments and they've come to me asking, either they're looking for that relationship, that valuable relationship of, of marriage or they're, they're in a relationship and it's not working out and they're trying to figure that out or they're, they're further in that, they're married but it's just, and I can see it there, right? They're trying different things. And it's hard in my mind because I'm trying to figure out how to gently and politely tell them the thing that is destroying everything in that relationship, right? They're making that relationship all about themselves. Choose to be last in it. Choose to be last. Choose to make it about them. 
I struggle with this as a parent. I do. I've not made every best decision as a parent. It's not happened. I want to be a good parent, and it does not always measure up. There are times I don't know what to do, what to say, how to be. My biggest struggle at times is trying to force my kids to make the decisions that I want them to make, right? To live the way I would choose or want them to do, to turn them into little copies of me, which they are absolutely not, and I want to do that. I can tell you this. There are frustrations that I feel in all of that. This I know. The moments that I found peace in that, it's not when I tried to force them to do things my way. It's when I put them first. And I've loved them. And I've found peace when I've made it about love and kindness and being there with them. Choose to be last. In your relationships, when you have those questions, choose to be last. We come to church at times looking for direction and straight paths. I can't say in life that you will ever see a clear sign from God on what decisions to make. And I don't know, I can't guarantee you that he will make your path straight and clear all the time. But I can say this. If you acknowledge him everywhere, if he is the Lord in all parts of your life, let me tell you this, when you come to a decision, if you acknowledge him, you will make a great decision. Let me say that again. When it comes to decision moments, if you acknowledge him you will make a great decision. Somewhere in like Christian church history, we've brought about this idea that is just totally off. It's that God has prepared this one path for us that we have to follow in life and like he's designed this path and it's like this one way and that's how it has to be or the highway, right? That there's one path. If that were the case, do you understand that we would have all messed that up years ago, right? Like none of us would be there. Our God is not limited to that. He does not work that way. There are thousands and millions of paths that he can take us upon successfully. We are so worried about making that one right, perfect decision, finding that perfect way, and I want to I communicate to this to you. We need to stop worrying about making the right and perfect choice, but recognizing that if we just acknowledge God with our choices, if we trust in him, we will make great decisions. Make a decision that acknowledges him, that shows your trust in him. And whatever you decide, it will be a great decision. Finally, we look for health to our body and finances. I believe these are listed because these are the biggest temptations to us at times. These are our biggest areas that pull us down. We're asked to faithfully acknowledge him in these areas. I encourage you to let him rule your heart. Make decisions that show that you trust him with those things. Know that for my example, I can tell you this, you may not end up with a body that has a six-pack or you may not end up with the finances or resources to buy whatever other kind of six-pack you may want that's meaningful to you. I'm talking about Mountain Dew, calm down, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you may not have either of those things, but I will tell you this, if you acknowledge God, if you make those things about him, you can find peace and fullness in both of those areas in your life. Make him Lord of your life. This is my battle. It is your battle. 
The greatest struggle in all of our lives is not this world. It is not an earthly relationship. It is not a sickness. It is not something logistical, political, financial, or whatever. It is a war for our hearts. That is our battle. As Scripture uses the word heart to refer to different things, when it does that in the Old Testament, sometimes it means our spirit, our stomach, our mind, our actual heart. But really, truly, in all of those, it means the thing that actually drives and motivates us. We recognize this. This, when we talk about our heart, it is about the core of who we are, the things that motivate us. And the directions here in this passage are clear. Make that thing God. Make that thing, that heart, that core of you, what you live for, why you move and breathe, make that thing God. It's time that we land this plane. It's time. I dwelled over this a little bit. How do we close this? I felt a strong need to let you know that there are two directions here, and I want you to know that there are two possibilities in this. That when you acknowledge God with everything, there are moments where either direction here can happen. I've experienced both very clearly. I want you to know that if you acknowledge him, if you make him Lord of of your life, there is a chance that he will, in the world, make make your path straight and clear. There is a chance that that will happen. From my own personal experience, I've actually seen him do that, not in in the littler struggles in life, but in the big faith moments. I have seen him step in and clear the way in a way that only he can do that. And I want you to know that that is a true possibility. It happened for me when I was 18 and I decided to go to college to be a pastor and I felt a specific call to be a pastor in the Wesleyan church and so I applied to a Wesleyan school and I entered a Wesleyan program to be a Wesleyan pastor and I got a degree that would be useless to me anywhere else but right here. And maybe that was the faith step to basically make this decision that I'm going this way and there is no other way forward. And I know that God heard that call And in that moment, he knew what I needed. So not only was I accepted to that school and to that program, he covered all debts. He covered all expenses, and I went there to that experience debt-free. The path was clear. Sometimes God does that. I know that when I graduated from college and I started to think about what I should do next. I, in college, had, had worked as an RA and an RDA. That's being in charge of a dorm kind of area in life that way. And I really enjoyed that for a bit. And so I thought, maybe I should continue to do this. I'm making an impact a little bit in people's lives. And I thought, maybe this is something I should do. And so I sent out between 20 to 40 plus resumes to different RD positions at different schools. And I heard back from exactly zero of them. And it clicked in my brain, oh, that's right. I'm supposed to be a pastor, right, God? I sent my resume to two district superintendents. One of them's in this room. He answered right away. Sent that to one church that I know of. Got one phone call, met with one pastor, had a job in a matter of days. Sometimes God works that way. He clears the way. I know in our family's decision to move back here, it was hard for us. There was a little bit of a faith step, specifically because as wonderful as I've said to you all are earlier in this service, a lot of this, this decision in, in our lives was for our family and what we thought was right for our family. 
but we were making this move in kind of the worst housing market you could possibly understand. And so there was a lot of this in that moment, right? Because the idea was, God, we're doing this for family stability, but you're kind of putting us in the worst possible case po- place possible, right? But I know in that experience, God had something in mind. And in the middle of that housing market, our family made one offer on a house that was accepted and has been a wonderful blessing to us. Sometimes God works that way. I know in my life that has been witnessed to me through the actions of my mother. This is an example that I've seen set forth from her. I've shared in the past that my mother at the age of 10 contracted breast cancer. Throughout her life, the cancer would be in her breast, it would move to her lungs and to her bone and eventually to her brain. As a young child, I would pray for my mom that she would live and she would continue on. It would be after her death that I would learn that she had a prayer of her own. Her prayer was very simple to God. Allow me to live long enough to raise my youngest child to see him go off to college, visit him once. And she lived. The time did come when God took her home. Not after she had visited that youngest child once in college after she had visited him twice our God can do that our God can do that I also want you to hear the other side there have been moments in my life in relationships where I wished God would move where I looked at the world and I wanted it to be different and it was not. What I've come to realize through both of those kinds of moments is it's not about the world. If he moved in the world or didn't, what mattered is the change that he brought to my heart and to your heart. The greatest working that God does in our lives is in our hearts. I'm going to invite our praise team to come forward. And as we close, I'm just going to say a prayer over you. And the prayer is very simple. Right now, I imagine that you are here right now and you are looking and wanting God to move in a big, incredible way in your life. There is something there that is weighing down upon you. I want to encourage you in this. Give that thing to God. I can't promise you what he will do in the world. But I can promise you this, whatever he does out there, if you give it to him, he can give you peace right here. Give that thing to God. I'm going to pray over you now. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, God above, God, I pray over the individuals here present. God, I know we come to church and we're looking for direction in a relationship, in a step in life, in something in our life, God, we are looking for direction. God, I pray over the individuals right now who have something on their heart and mind, something, some way that they wish that you would move. They're looking for change. They're looking for an understanding of what to do. They're looking for how to move forward. God, I ask that your blessing would be upon their lives in that. 
Through it all, though, God, I ask that in the process of trusting in you and acknowledging you in all things, that you would change our hearts. Work and move and live and breathe in us, God. Change our hearts. And God, so for each and every person here, I ask that you give us the peace in knowing that if the world doesn't change, we have changed because we lean in and we love you. Bless us in all this, God. Be with us now as we go forward into this world. We seek to live for you. That change comes not just from this moment of prayer. It comes from decisions that we make in our life. In all things, God, may we acknowledge you. We pray this all in Jesus' name.